0: And of course, we want to encourage you to come see us in person. We are located at 6110 Kingsport Highway in Johnson City, Tennessee. As always, we hope you enjoy today's message. So scientists have made astounding discoveries about the power of gratitude. When we express gratitude or we receive gratitude in return, our brain releases both dopamine and serotonin, and our mood is enhanced immediately. Immediately, we are in a better mood. We are in a more productive place whenever we express and experience gratitude. Scientists have further discovered that gratitude releases toxic emotions. Gratitude even releases pain. Gratitude improves sleep. Gratitude aids stress management, and gratitude helps greatly with stress and anxiety. Give me a shot of gratitude. All right, give, I need as much gratitude in my life as I can get. But way before scientific discovery, way before science could tell us anything about this, in fact, 3,000 years prior, God spoke this through a man named David in what we call a psalm or a sacred song. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise Will always be on my mouth. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my mouth. And we can, we can obviously draw the conclusion that this David, a man after God's own heart, must have had a really, really wonderful life. This David had committed horrible, sins like adultery and also arranging a murder one of david's sons listen to this one of david's sons committed incest and raped his sister this son was then murdered by another one of david's sons this son starting to sound like a soap opera this son was then murdered by the other son. And the son, I just said that the son that murdered greatly betr- betrayed David, and then he was killed. There were many other tragedies in David's life, tragedies that I will venture as far to say that no person in this room will ever experience. Yet David, in his brokenness, was able to write this, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will always be in my mouth. We're in the second Sunday of the Advent season in which we uh, welcome the birth of the Christ child, and we intentionally have certain events in our lives around this. We're also in the second part of our Advent season, Choose Joy, in which we're discussing what it really means to be able to experience and to be able to express joy. Something that we talked about last week was my journey throughout the course of the year based on 2020 of just not having a lot of joy a lot of the time and having to confess that I'm a pastor. There's no doubt that I'm a follower of Jesus. I I care about this walk that I have with everything that is in me. But at times I found myself just so frustrated, blowing up over every little thing And we talked about, as some of your heads started to nod, and as some of you leaned forward in your seats, we started to talk about the reality of this lack of joy in the lives of so many people who have absolutely wonderful things, who have very good lives, wonderful kids, a a great relationship, a wonderful career, all of these wonderful things that most of us want. Pursuit of the American dream. Yet for whatever reason, there's this discontent within so many of us so often. And we've talked about specifically how we deal with this. And I gave you guys four solutions that we want to look at in the first is this. And this is what we talked about last week. Celebrate your lack of control. Celebrate your lack of control. And Sunday night, uh, after some of my confessions, Amy Friday gave me a book, something like How to Know if You're a Control Freak. I've just not not started it yet, Amy, because I don't know if I can handle the truth. All right? But I'll tell you what I'm going to do after I read it. If she doesn't mind, I'm going to give it to the first person I think of that's in this room right now, but I'm not going to say who that is. But And for those of you that reached out to me throughout the course of the week, I felt this way about this thing. I wanted to jump in and take control over this issue, and I stopped and I prayed, and I found the ability to release control, and that's so important. It leads to so much joy. So what we're going to talk about today is practicing gratitude. Next week, spending time alone, and this is intentional time alone. We're talking about self-care, but we're also talking about our relationship with Jesus. And then the fourth week, cultivating life-giving relationships, having the right people at the right time in your corner to help you. So all of these have one thing in common, and that is life in the Spirit that is then going to produce the fruits of the Spirit. Which is central to following Jesus. The Apostle Paul had a very special way that he opened the majority of his letters to new churches, the letters that we find in the New Testament. His salutations often revealed the gratitude in his ministry. A few examples. We'll start with Romans 1 8. And this is what Romans 1 8 says. First of all, I thank my God. Beginning of the letter, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you. So how often when you look at the messiness of the church, all the gossip, all the garbage, I'm not going to talk to that person anymore. I want nothing to do with these individuals. She said this, he said that. I'm going to pout and my feelings are hurt. Instead, what Paul says is I thank God through Jesus Christ for all of you, because of the news about your faithfulness has now spread throughout the entire world. Another example, if you would like one to the church in Corinth, 1 Corinthians 1.4, I thank my God again, always for you, for the church, thanking God for the people that he has the privilege to serve. We then go to the church of Philippi, Philippians 1 verses 3 through 4 say this, I thank my God every time I mention you in my prayers. This distinct group of people in this church or these churches in this part of the world every single time, even though he's in a different location at this point, Every single time that he goes forward in prayer, I thank my God every time I mention you in my prayers. I'm thankful for all of you every time I pray, and it's always a prayer full of what? It is a prayer full of joy. So I would like to make this argument on behalf of gratitude and its path to joy, looking specifically at the context of the ministry of Paul. Paul's perseverance in ministry, which means his ability to keep going, we're talking about the true, real missionary experience. We're talking about constant conflict, constant adversity, constant difficulty, constant persecution in any moment Paul could have been shut down, in any moment as we see in several situations Paul could have been arrested. In any moment, Paul could have been killed. That is not the situation for any of us as we cushion up in our comfortable American lifestyle. We have everything that we need and we still, when we thank God, it's in a superficial way the majority of the time. We feel like it's something that we have to check off of the box whenever we pray. But at any point, we've seen pastors, we've seen church people quit and quit and quit over time. So what is it that keeps Paul going? What is it that that helps Paul see all of these conversions? What is it that helps Paul continue to pen these letters and not give up on these churches? It's the gratitude that he holds within this grace that he has over these churches that he considers himself privileged to serve even though every single one of these churches were messy. Believer's church is not the only church that is messy. Some of you left your prior church to come here because it was messy. I've got news for you, it's messy here. And it's going to be messy everywhere. The question is your posture. The question is your attitude. The question is your presentation every time you walk in this room. I just can't sit too close to her. I'm not going to be in his small group anymore. I'm not going to lead kids' ministry if I have to lead. With that person, Paul understands the bottom. Paul understands what we are at our root. And for everything that culture can say about the church, it's still the most beautiful, sacred social institution in the history of humankind. And that is never going to change. Gratitude, it all starts and ends with gratitude in the ministry of Paul. So how does gratitude, beyond the science, how how does gratitude actually move us toward joy? Gratitude minimizes our focus on the negative. It minimizes our focus on negative. If you practice, if you stop long enough whenever your kids are playing, and you watch them, How many of you in a situation before have said, I am so thankful for them? I don't ever want them to get older. Whenever you get a promotion, whenever you get a pat on the back, whenever you're told that you're good at something, when you see a deep, authentic friendship that you have, when you know how close you are to your parents, when you know that you have a car that runs, how often do you really express that gratitude? Often we complain about a car because it's not the newest one. Often we complain about a home because it doesn't look like other people's homes. It releases us from the negative. You guys remember on Saturday Night Live, if you're old enough, Debbie Downer? Anybody in here know a negative person? Debbie Downer, it was just immediately, things could be wonderful, and she's like, well, what if this happens? Some of you know because some of you are that negative person that always sees worst case scenario every time that you look at anything. And I believe the greatest example we see in our worship and tech team, we've talked about this before, but I believe the greatest example of gratitude that we actually see is when Paul and Silas are placed in prison for sharing the gospel. Now, for most of us, and I've been in jail before, Maybe some, of you, maybe some of you have, but if you've been in that situation before, it's not a grateful thing. It's not a thing that you're excited about. You don't feel like all of a sudden you're going to start worshiping and praising Jesus inside of jail. But you know what Paul sees? Somehow, because of gratitude, he sees a moment for opportunity. He sees a moment to continue to show the light of Jesus. So what do they do? They start singing. They start praising. They start showing their gratitude in every way possible. What is the result? The chains are loosened and the guard accepts Christ as his savior. This is what gratitude does every single time. If you read through Paul's letters, you constantly see struggles, hardships, difficulties. He's in prison, shipwrecked, injury, everything that you can possibly imagine, but there is still a spirit of joy. Now you have to know the letters well enough to know this and to see this part, but check this out. From our above scripture, Paul could have harped about the struggle for monotheism, in Rome. Naturally, he wanted the early followers of Jesus, the people of the way, to be monotheistic, meaning to believe in one God, Yahweh, the God of Israel. That's what he wanted. But they were still pouring in a lot of their polytheistic practices, meaning they wanted to worship other gods. Paul was still grateful for them through their correction. If we look at Corinth, Corinth is this amazing, bustling metropolitan seaport town. And if you want a woman or you want a man, you're going to get a woman. You're going to get a man. You're going to get multitudes. The, The prostitution, the sexual sin in Corinth was absolutely out of hand. The division within the church is absolutely out of hand. But what does Paul say? I'm thankful. Whenever you look at the situation in Philippi, the church in Philippi faces constant opposition. And I want to say this again, it's worse than your hangnail. It's worse than your difficult teenager. It's worse than the fact that you went out to your car that morning, you had to be somewhere, and your car wouldn't start. It's a lot worse than these things, yet he was able to praise in every single moment. He was able to show that in every single moment. And if there is ever a time of the year, other than possibly Easter, if there is ever a time in the year that we should be thankful and that our gratitude should be full force and we should be able to praise, it's this time right now. As we look at what this represents right here, the birth of a savior coming into this world. And I wonder, really, as followers of Jesus, as people that claim the reality of this lifestyle, how much of your time and attention is in this place? How much, for those of you that are on Facebook, are are following our Advent devotionals? How many of you are stopping and recognizing throughout the course of your day It's not about your procrastination and trying to make sure that you get all these Christmas presents that you haven't bought yet. It's not about the lights and the songs and all the things that that a lot of us in here really enjoy. But right now is such a special time for us to be able to express this kind of gratitude. Also, gratitude heightens our awareness. Listen, gratitude makes us healthier. Gratitude heightens our awareness and it sharpens our perspective. It heightens our awareness. It even gives us more self-awareness of ourselves and what's going on around us. It heightens our awareness. It sharpens our perspective. It makes us healthier. Gratitude helped Paul understand what mattered at all times. Paul could have clinged to so many different things in his life, but he always focused on his mission. Despite all of the things that were going on around him, all of the difficulties in his life, he was always focused on where the mission was supposed to be. He knew that he was never alone. Now, when I started preaching again, uh, just a few years ago in my, well, more than a few, in in my early 30s, I had tremendous anxiety about being up in front of people. And I think also just kind of the religious baggage that I had from the past, it seriously felt like some kind of post-traumatic stress disorder. Uh, Going back and preaching in front of people, the anxiety was horrible. But something that I would always do, and my family knows this, is that I always kept a wallet-sized picture of Beth or Callie, In my Bible. And what I would do the second that I got up there to preach is I would place it right here. So that if I had anxiety in the moment, or I felt like that is the worst sermon I have ever given, or if I felt just a lack of confidence about so many things, I knew I had those two people in my corner at all times. Gratitude, understanding what you have. Understanding what matters, not letting a moment go by. And what did we say about gratitude and its power? People sleep better, people live less stressful, people experience less stress and anxiety. So consider the way that all of these things are working in your path and all these things are working in your life. How present. Is gratitude. It's amazing to me, and this is just a fact. And I'm sorry to say this, this is not me bashing my country. I love my country. But it is so strange for me to see so many miserable American Christians that have that would fall into the top one percent as far as wealth in the country. But if I spend a little bit of time around a Christian from Haiti, or I spend a little bit of time around a Christian from East Africa, people who have absolutely nothing, you cannot wipe the grin off their face. Because when Jesus is all they have, they have everything. Yet the American Christian, 10 o'clock's is kind of too early to start a service. I wasn't, wasn't crazy about that message today. I've really got an issue with so-and-so at our church. I'm going to let her know it. That's usually not the case, though. You're going to let everybody behind her back know it. It's miserable people, unhappy people, people that don't smile, people that don't show the joy of Jesus in any way whatsoever. And you can take somebody that's barely got two coins to rub together, not knowing where their next meal comes from. And in many cases, their siblings, their parents all died at very young ages. And somehow they still express this joy. Heightened awareness, sharpened perspective, heightened awareness of what we have and what God has given us. Sharpened perspective on what we are supposed to be. Now I practice three forms of gratitude. And I believe the majority of you in here that are gracious people, you experience. In fact, what we did this morning in our prayer in the office uh, right before service started was we, we, we usually will go over scripture, but I just asked the guys, I said, today we're going to be talking about gratitude. What are some things that you guys are grateful for? And without hesitation, as we went around the, the room, my spouse, my kids, my church, my job, the opportunities that I have over and over And over. Gratitude. So here they are. Here are the three forms of of, of gratitude that we have to express they are material, they are social, and they are spiritual. So when you are reaching out to God, there are three ways that you are reaching out to God. And I highly, highly recommend in your personal prayer life that you begin with gratitude that you begin with the way, and you know what? This a lot of times starts with kids. Cora, whenever she prays right now, and sometimes it's the only thing that she says, But she says, I thank you for my mommy and I thank you for my daddy. And a lot of your kids that pray, they say the exact same thing. So what are we talking about when we're thanking God for the material blessings in our lives? We're talking about the physical things in our lives. We might be talking about a car, We might be talking about our church. We might be talking about our clothes. We might be talking about things like that that are in our lives that we are blessed with. Uh, Food, our home, things like that that we are grateful for. When we're thanking God for the social things in our lives, we're thanking God for the family and the friends that we have. Because if you look and you don't have to look too far, there are a lot of people even in this community that do not have these things. Uh, Tomorrow, uh, Roger and Abigail Bailey will be delivering groceries to an individual in this community right here that is single, does not have a car, and no close relatives anywhere around here. There may be some of you in this church That fall into that category. You know what some of you need to do? You need to grab a hold of your mom or your dad, your sister, your brother, your kids, and you need to give them a big hug today and let them know. A friend that's always got your back, and let them know how grateful you really are for them. And then there is the spiritual. Does it get better than this? How can you not be gracious for a relationship with Jesus? How can you not be gracious for the fact that mercy is at your disposal and new every single day? How can you not be gracious for the fact that you were dead in your sins and you've been made alive again? You know, that third one may be a little bit more difficult for some people to express because it's one that possibly they haven't experienced. You know what gratitude does? Gratitude, this is what science says. It literally rewires your brain. That's what it does. You're a person that's down and out, you're a person that doesn't know how to be grateful. It literally rewires your brain and it leads to unspeakable joy. And I'm not going to pretend that I'm there uh, because I'm not. But again, this is a path for me. And I'm seeking to get there. Also notice that gratitude, and maybe this is the most important thing, it defeats the enemy. Gratitude defeats the enemy. Satan hates worship. Absolutely hates what we are doing here on a Sunday morning because what are we doing? We are showing our gratitude and our love toward a gracious God. Satan hates a grateful heart. Proverbs seventeen twenty two. a cheerful heart is good medicine. It's good medicine. It's always, it's going to even have a residual impact on people around you. But a crushed spirit, Debbie Downer's out there, a crushed spirit dries up the bones. Satan loves dry bones. The enemy loves people who are ready to quit. The enemy loves, loves complainers and people who are willing to take other people down at any cost. He loves it, and this one relates to me, when we swell with anger. He loves it. And he loves it even more when we swell with that anger toward God. Too many Christians live with a crushed spirit. So the question becomes this, and this is what you have to think about. How do you practice gratitude in worship? All right? How do you go from the person that stands here with your hands in your pockets? watching everybody else thinking about where you're going to eat after church how do you go from that person to a person who experience, experiences gratitude and worship how do you wake up in the morning especially for those of you that may not be morning people how do you wake up with a grateful heart how do you practice gratitude during suffering. A pastor once told Beth and myself, and this has been years ago, and maybe I've shared this with you. A pastor told us years ago, he said, you want to know what worship is? He said, it took me a long time, and this pastor's in his 70s. He said, it took me a long time to really understand what worship was. And he said, you know, I see people raising their hands and they're thankful to God, and they're listening to music, or they're listening to a message, or or they're they're going through the sacraments with communion or baptism, and and they're so grateful, and there's this this experience of worship. He said, "But you want to know something? I knew a woman that wasn't very old, and she was told that she had terminal cancer, and she was told that she only had a shortened." a short amount of time left to live. And I watched this woman as I spoke to her and as she received this diagnosis, bend down and say, thank you, God, for saving my soul and for giving me the life that I have. That is worship. That is worship. Until we get ourselves out of this consumeristic, superficial mindset of what church is supposed to look like. And we get down to the bare bones and heart of a deep-rooted spiritual life. We're always going to have a superficial understanding of worship and a superficial understanding of gratitude. How do you practice gratitude when things aren't going your way? So gratitude will produce joy. And there are very practical ways that you can get started with gratitude. And I want to share just a few of those with you today. As we leave, the first thing that I would say, and we've already talked about this, is open your prayers whenever you are praying. Open your prayers just like Paul did with many of his letters, thanking God for the material, social, and spiritual needs that he has met. Father, thank you so much for my children. Thank you so much for my home. Thank you for the fact that I have transportation. Thank you so much for my church. Thank you so much for my friends that are so good to me and that relationship in which I can be so good to them and they are loyal and I trust them. Thank you so much for all of these things in my life, even the difficult things that you have given me. The second thing I would say, and I'm I'm taking this out of my my wife's uh, playbook, uh, start a gratitude journal. And I know that this sounds a little bit corny, It might sound for some of you like something like, I don't know if I can think of enough, enough things. I don't remember exactly what Beth's goal was whenever she was doing this and did this consistently for a long time. But you start to think of things like for her, sweet tea. You start to think of things that you never would have recognized or realized that you're even grateful for. If you're in a situation in which you have to write them down, how many at one point did you have written down in one day? Three hundred some, like three hundred some in one day, like a list just going on and on and on. And it was probably the happiest that I've ever seen her. So it was a part of her quiet time, as a part of her time with God. And she was she was putting this stuff on social media, but just all of these things in her life that she was grateful for. And you think about the obvious things, but you don't necessarily think about the things that you never consider. But God starts to bring those things out of you, and you say, man, compared to so many people in this world, I've got it good, and my blessings come from God. That changes a person, just so you know. But also, uh, gratitude walks and gratitude moments, and this is a little bit more uh, within my wheelhouse and something that I do. There will be times that I will work for 30 minutes to an hour straight, not look up from a book, not look up from something I'm writing, not look up from a computer. And then what I'll do is I'll just say, I need to take a walk. And one time dad caught me on one of these walks in downtown Elizabeth and I look like a crazy person talking to myself. But sometimes I just have to step out and start reciting scripture. And I have to step out and start saying, God, thank you for this. Thank you for this. Thank you. And then when I go back to work, I'm creative. I'm rewired. I'm ready to go again. So for some of you that absolutely despise journaling, it's not something that you want to do. Sometimes you just need to get up and get away from your work. Walk outside. This needs to be outside. Don't do circles inside. Get out of the building and walk around for a minute and say, thank you for as many things as you can think of. This, this is another one. And this was really, really hard for me, just to be honest with you, because I'm kind of a Grateful Dead, Bob Dylan, old country, uh, uh, 40s jazz kind of guy. And I actually used to make fun of Beth for worship music, believe it or not. I was just like, every song sounds the same. I can't stand this stuff. And, and I was not in a close relationship with God, but I have almost blocked every other kind of music, for the most part, not always, but I listen to worship music all the time now, and it completely rewires my day. It completely moves me into a new place. The things that are coming in you are what's going to then come out of you in every possible way. So I'll get caught up on just a few lyrics, and then I'll just say those lyrics over and over again. But this is my newest one, and and this is something that has just been very, very special to me, and I call it Worship Drives. So what I do, because this is the way that I wake up, and some of you some of you crazy people, your nature this way as well, but I wake up and I immediately start thinking, I've got to do this, I've got to do that, I've got to mark everything off my list, I've got to make sure that stuff's taken care of, and when that's done, I can relax and rest a little bit, only to find that I've added to my list and I drive myself insane all day. Anybody relate to that? Okay, good. Yes, good. Several of you in here. All right, so what I've done is I have blocked off a time in the morning that I do no work. And a lot of times what I'll do is go have breakfast because I have food issues, but I'll go have breakfast and then I'll get in my car and I don't tell anybody where I'm going and I just drive. Right now, Stony Creek's my big thing. I've seen so many deer. I've been on every back road in Stony Creek that you can think of. And I just listen to worship music and thank God over and over again. And you want to know something? I work less hours in a day and my work is better. There are so many different ways that we can express gratitude. There are so many different ways that we can show this in our lives. And here's the thing. None of this will happen. None of it. Without discipline. Gratitude... Like scripture reading, prayer, silence and solitude, fasting, worship, giving. It is a spiritual discipline. And it's a discipline because it requires discipline, work. Where are you in your life? With gratitude. We want to thank you again for listening to the Believer's Church podcast. Make sure you join us next week as we continue in this series. Also, we'd love a chance to connect with you. Make sure you visit believerschurchjc.com and enjoy the rest of your week.